I want to go to the book of Hebrews, and I want to iterate something that I think is really pretty profound here, that uh, it underscores some of the results of people uh, walking in their life of trust with God. How many of you want to see results in life? I, I really do. I, I, I'm not satisfied with simple theory and uh, uh, hypotheses, and I'm not satisfied with just rhetoric. I'm not dogmatic. I'm not a bigot. I'm not satisfied with that kind of thing. I'm not satisfied with just droning through life. It's, it, there has to be something substantial. In Hebrews chapter 11, says in verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, that he's present, and that he is certainly a rewarder of those who seek him. Seek is an action word. Seek uh, takes effort. Seek is what you're doing today. If you, with all the options, you've chosen to watch this. And so I pray you get something from God today. And all of you could have been in a number of different places, but here we are, socially distanced, cooperating and compliant, and yet hungry for God, hungry for change, hungry for a, a turnaround and a, and a move of the Holy Spirit. We're trusting God to blanket his grace over the United States of America right now in 2021. We're believing God to move throughout Southeast Asia and Europe and the nations all around the globe. Right behind me is an atlas of the world. And let's stretch our hands toward it and pray that God, the knowledge of God will fill every place. That the, the knowledge of the glory of God will permeate every mindset, every time zone, every people group, every ethnicity, all the tribes. The 1.4 billion in India and the 1.4 and a half billion in China, the 350 million here, the 200 million in Nigeria and so forth, all around the nations, all the Scandinavian people would hear the word of the Lord. They'd hearken unto the voice of the Lord in the, the Arctic Circle and the northern sector, all up in Canada and up around in Greenland and Iceland and all throughout Finland, Norway, Latvia, Lithuania and all those nations. Amen? Those in New Zealand, those in Australia, those in all the places round about us. Come on, man, we could praise. You say, Pastor Jeff, did you, were you, were you into geography or something? Uh, not really, but, but because God's into geography, I'm into geography. I've actually got a heart for the nations, and we're to be a house of prayer for the nations. And God said that Abraham would be a father of many nations. And so we see after this point that Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed and went out to a place that he was to receive for an inheritance in verse 8 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That is a trip right there. That is not an irresponsible life. That's a responsive life to the call of God. And he is called the father of faith. And that puts us in high adventure when we see his behavior and we see this is what's modeled and what God prefers, he wants, uh, like Noah earlier, built an ark, built a boat in obedience before there was even uh, the necessity for that kind of a boat. And he did it in obedience for 127 years, and God did a great thing through his act of obedience. He was a righteous man in his day. Abraham responded to God. He was a righteous man in his day, and he cooperated with the Lord. And in verse 9, he lived as an alien in the land of promise. 
had an alien mentality. Say this with me, I am not of this world. Larry Norman wrote a song, what a mess the world is in. I wonder who began it. Don't ask me, I'm only visiting this planet. We're aliens, sojourners, pilgrims. We're on a mission where this isn't our eternal home. We're passing through. He said he lived as a, an alien in the land of promise as, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Now I've shared Sundays, I was preaching about Jacob's ladder and the open heaven and how God spoke to him. Angels were going up and down on that ladder and then more importantly, God was at the top and he was saying to him, that land you're laying on, I'm gonna give that to you. And in my lifetime, I've watched God do amazing fulfillment of those promises. I still believe in a covenant-keeping God who actually has extended mercies toward his Jewish people and has purposes in that particular designation, as well as amazing and terrific things for the church. We're in the church age, and we're seeing amazing things happen, and actually, the Bible says we who are non-Jews are grafted in to the original plant by the grace of God. So man, that will help us to be humble and appreciative of our origin and of the privilege of being included. Talk about inclusion, talk about diversity training, talk about empowerment, all these buzzwords that fly around. Listen, man, God is the one who is no respecter of persons. He loves each one of us with an everlasting love. He draws us with his loving kindness. People from every nation, tribe, tongue, and dialect are gonna be gathered around his throne. That deals with so much of the harshness of humanity. God has brought so much love into this world. And he brings Abraham and Sarah and says, listen, man, the nations are gonna be blessed through you guys. And uh, he, he was looking for the city which had a foundation whose architect and builder is God. And uh, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. How many of you have ever, be honest with me, felt like you were a day late and a dollar short? That's an old phrase. Now, how many of you have FOMO, have ever had FOMO, fear of missing out? That's a new thing. That's sort of a millennial thing. Day late and dollar short, FOMO, they're all the same thing. It's like just feeling like shoulda, coulda, woulda. How many of you have ever felt like, oh, if only I could have lived this over again, you know? How many of you have made a mistake or two in life? Let me see. Okay, now we're honest and humbling. How many of you are going to humble yourself? And you know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. And this is another reason why I so appreciate the Judeo-Christian Bible, because it underscores God's rigid commands and his willingness to lay down, Jesus to lay down his life to prevent us from going to hell, to have access to the throne of grace, and then to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then to see example after example of individuals like Abel or like Noah or Enoch or Abraham or Sarah who received the ability to conceive past the proper time. That gives you hope when you feel like uh, opportunities have come and gone. That gives you hope when you feel uh, like you've been eclipsed. Gives you hope when you feel like you've been passed over. And there's a good Passover where the blood of Jesus covers you and all the harshness passes over. Can I hear a hallelujah? Passover is not that bad. But I know that some people think I've been let, you know, God's dropped me and maybe I made some mistakes where now it's just, 
irreversible. And uh, yet we know that God turns things around. My Redeemer lives. And, uh, you know, Noah was a righteous man in his day. He was a preacher of righteousness, but he made bad decisions. Abraham lied about Sarah twice. So he, he made bad decisions. So they were sinners. These heroes were actually sinners. But Jesus was not a sinner. He was not a practitioner of sin. And yet, he became sin for us as a sacrificed lamb and died on the cross for us so we could have access to God's presence on the conditions of his mercy. That's the good news. And that we could be redeemed from a futile way of life and that our gifts, our talents, our treasures, our calling, our, our skills, our, our, we have a destiny. And that God is looking for people that will catch this tonight, will respond to this call, will be encouraged by it, and let the switch of faith get turned on, that your prayers matter. Your Christian walk is important. The devil tempts you, like, you might as well just go ahead and sin, because who cares? Uh, you know, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll eat some worms, you know that song? And the devil will belittle, 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 so you'll become like a grasshopper in your own sight, and so you'll be in the sight of the enemy. But yet, God sees something different for you. He didn't see Sarah or Abraham as an old, shriveled, shriveled up couple. He saw them as carriers of the covenant, carriers of the promises, carriers of a, of a potential lineage that would end up blessing all the nations of the world. Can I hear an amen? amen. In fact, it says here, it says, uh, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now, last week I talked about the strange plan or campaign for Joshua and Caleb to circle around Jericho. And uh, in verse uh, chapter 6, verse 3, don't turn there, but it says, you shall march around the city, all the men of war, Circling the city once, you shall do so for six days. So they had a Jericho march, and God gave a strategy to advance. And uh, God gave a strategy for Abraham and Sarah to birth Isaac, who birthed Jacob, who became a nation. That, and then Jesus said to the woman at the well, who was a Samaritan, a non-Jew, salvation would come through the Jews. That's why there's all this anti-Semitism and all that hating, because God designated salvation through this people group. The devil hates that, so there's been constant hating and haters going after that people group, because that people group is a magnificent, uh, amazing history, amazing destiny, having brought the law down from uh, the, the mountain with Moses, bringing in clarity to humanity, and most importantly, bringing in the Messiah, Jesus, to bring salvation to the Jews and to the non-Jews. You listen to what I'm saying, it'll help you. Because you're, you're plugged into something significant. That they walked around the walls of Jericho and they fell down flat, flat. And um, it was a radical maneuver. Uh, with this getting back, I'm jumping to different stories in the Old Testament. I want to talk a little bit about Gideon, but I felt led to go to Abraham and Sarah because it says something similar to what God spoke to Gideon. So I'm laying a foundation here about each individual. I feel like I'm speaking to individuals. Yesterday, was it yesterday that we drove down Big Bend Road and I drove by the college I went to when I was a kid? Maybe it was Wednesday. 
Wednesday. And uh, I pointed to, I said, that's where I, I would witness out in the quadrangle of that college uh, and share the gospel. And there was a crowd that gathered around and there were a bunch of nursing students that had nursing scrubs on. And, uh, and the Lord said, he said to me, do you want to see how I see this? And, and while I was talking, and it was a little subtle prompting, but I sensed this in my spirit. And I was, you know, it's amazing how God can talk to you while you're talking to somebody else. I'll tell you, when I've preached and if I've gotten in the flesh and, and I got in a bad attitude, God would tell me while I'm preaching, hey, don't do that anymore. That's how much he loves me. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Aren't you glad you have a pastor who God will take, it, take him to the woodshed right in the middle? I get, I get a bad attitude and it was like, hey, bro, you know, you, hey, and quit looking at me like that because you've been in the flesh too. And whom he loves, he chastens. But yeah, I w- you know, he was showing me people that were listen- looked like they were listening and he said they were not really listening. They're, they're pretending like they're listening. You see the person that's acting irritated? That one's listening. You're getting through to that one. And then he said to me, you're not speaking to a crowd, you're speaking to individuals. And that burned in my heart before I ever entered into ministry, and uh, that factored in. So I know this is for an audience of one, you. And God is looking for, and has such, puts such priority and such value on individuals, and he loves you so much, and he has a purpose for you. And when we read about Abraham, or we read about Gideon, we have to be encouraged every time that that God is our God who is interested in the individual. It, he, he's for sure interested in the family unit. He's for sure interested in society in general. He loves everybody, and he's no respecter of persons. And, and what that means is he, he, he doesn't just throw some people off. He loves, he's, God so loved the world, get this, that he gave his only begotten son, hear this, that whosoever believes in him will not perish will have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved to him. And then by him, and then go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. So, I mean, we're getting a hospital responsibility to pray for somebody who's probably at this point in a coma. And yet I know I preached to a guy who died and was revived and was in a coma and got saved and signaled to me by wiggling his foot and then died 10 minutes later. So I believe in the power of obedience and I believe in the power of God and I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and I believe in the power of the individual who listens to, dials in and obeys and cooperates with God. And so we see here, Abraham in obedience did what God called him to do and that put it into an amazing situation. Sarah simply had considered him faithful who had promised, that's called faith. And and if you read about Abraham and Sarah, they went through some things. Sarah made some bad decisions, as did Abraham, and yet God in his mercy, everybody say mercy, really used them. And then it says here, it says um, in verse 12, and this is what I want to show you about one man. Therefore, there was born even of one man. Everybody say of one man. And, and, and And him as good as dead. He was 100 years old. That at that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So let me just tell you, I'm the product of individuals praying, evangelizing, trusting God enough and trusting the message enough to communicate it with a lost 
you know, out-of-kilter out of teenager. So I'm here to foster something to you as an individual about your prayer, about your purposes, about your presence, about you, your, your destiny, your calling. And I want you to understand that, you know, there's been a real faith-testing time for a lot of us, but we're to count it all joy when we encounter these various trials because we know that the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. And I've heard some young people have been buying gold lately and silver and they're getting into commodities and they're concerned about the economy. And it's interesting hearing people, you know, half my age, uh, making these investments, making these decisions. But yet God's word is actually more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. Gold has reached a point, I think recently, the highest price over $2,000 an ounce, you know, ever in, in its history. So, and yet I'm telling you, this, that can't compare with this. And it can't compare with the gold standard of you and I being obedient and considering him faithful who promised. Your faith is more important than physical, tangible commodities like oil, gold, silver, and those kinds of things. Uh, more precious than rubies. I mean, it will cause you to get out of darkness. It'll help you to overcome depression. It'll help you to win out in the battles of life. He's the healer. He brings strength to you. He gives power to the faint. To those who lack might, he increases power. Can I hear an amen? amen. So I'm finding my way back to this particular verse because now I want to go. Verse, it says, therefore, as there was born even as of one man. Take that. Note that. Now go over to verse 32. And then it says, what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, look what they did, who by faith conquered kingdoms. Now, what, what did Abraham and Sarah do by faith? They had a baby. They birthed something. Today, I just found out that uh, Carol and Matt in our church, she just had her baby at 4.59, and when I got a text from Matt, it was 29 minutes later, and they still hadn't even weighed the baby, but the mom and the baby are good. So their baby's being born in this context. That kid is already going to have a great testimony. They were conceived and birthed in this context. Hallelujah. That's a brave couple of young people right there, birthing their fourth baby, bringing another baby into this world in faith. Come on. I'm proud of them. And it says, so uh, they quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of, of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. I mean, last week, they leveled and, and crushed the walls of Jericho by just simply doing what God called them to do. Abraham and Sarah advanced the cause of the kingdom of God by simply identifying and doing what God called them to do and fighting the fight at same fight of faith you and I have to fight. Gideon was a reluctant warrior in a, in a tough time, in an obscure place, and God called him out of his insecurity, his inferiority complex. God called him out of his inconvenience and out of his moment and out of his reluctance. His, his, his conversation was filled with, with dissent, and yet God softened and melted his heart and worked on him because he's the potter and, and, and Gideon was the clay. And God actually did something similar to this same verbiage here, through one man. Now let's, now let's, now we've gotten this out of foundation out of Hebrews. 
Now I want to just end up with going to Judges. We're going to go to Judges and just do a quick look and watch this particular person's obedience. I'm on a series about miracles. These are Old Testament miracles where society had gotten very harsh. Israel was oppressed by the people group called the Midianites and the Amalekites. They were oppressing them, stealing their stuff. The people were being persecuted. The, the snag was that they had been rebellious and it kind of opened a door to the devil, but finally they repented and the door closed. God immediately sent uh, an angel of the Lord and came and sat down under the oak and spoke to Gideon, found him beating wheat in the wine press, and uh, meaning that he was in an obscure place protecting what little grain they had to keep it from these the, th the thievery, this was like a survival mode. This was a isolationism. This was a, in a dark sort of context. It wasn't, this wasn't a flourishing moment. It was an oppressive moment. But yet even then, God comes in, speaks to his heart, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, look at this in verse 12, chapter 6 of Judges, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Look up and say, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Look at somebody next to you and say, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Come on. Come on. We're called to fight the good fight of faith. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers, rulers of this darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. When we pray, mountains move. When we pray, angels hearken unto the voice of his word. When we pray, best yet, our heavenly father, on the basis of us coming to him in faith and in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, guarantees that he will incline his ear to our prayer and hear and answer our prayer when it's in line with God's word. That's why it's incumbent upon us to make sure we get the emphasis on the right syllable. Right? We focus on Jesus. We realize what, our, what is at stake here. Far more important than any of the social ills of societies. Far more important than anything that's ever been or will be is the necessity for each person to hearken to the salvation message of Jesus and to be saved. The highest category one optimal deal for you and me. He that is wise wins souls. And so we're, our prayer must be about God opening up people's hearts, coming against the mind-blinding spirits of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Who, who doesn't believe this gospel? In whose case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. We have a spiritual, ours is a spiritual battle. That's why if you watch me over any length of time, I'm not picking lesser battles. I'm always pushing past the lesser battles to stay and keep the big deal the big deal and get the emphasis on the right syllable. Get my eyes on Jesus. Number one, before I'm a rebuker of devils, I'm a worshiper of God. Number one, before I'm binding I'm, I'm, uh, and coming against evil spirits, I'm coming into his presence with singing. And number one, my main aspiration is to conform to the image of Christ and grow up in all aspects in him and mature and, and develop uh, uh, because there's an eternal Think component to this. This is our inception period of our eternity. This is on-the-job training for further kingdom duties out there even beyond this earthly existence. That's a big deal. 
And the fatalists that just think this is it and then it's done, one and done, uh, uh, or the people that think you can come back again and again and again in reincarnation, neither of those are biblical. It's appointed for a man to die once and after this comes judgment. And it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We don't want to play games with that. Yet with the whole concept of judgment, Jesus took our judgment. Jesus allowed himself to be a convicted criminal and be crucified between two thieves on a cross of shame and of denunciation. They titled him king of the Jews, but they were doing it in a mocking way. And he endured the cross and he despised the shame so that because for the joy set before him, he endured it so he would pay the price because he knew that there would be individuals through one man. Isaac was born and then the, the, the descendants are more innumerable, impossible to number. This, you go out and try to number the stars. You can't. Go out to a beach, any beach, and try to count the sand grains. You can't. And the point is that there's just an amazing quotient of, of effectiveness that came out of this Old-time couple of people so many years ago, or even Gideon. This is what I love about Gideon. Because he's not like a superhero. Uh, he's not like Wolverine with antium, adamantium. It's easy for me to say, you know. And yet God calls him a valiant warrior. God calls, do you know that the Lord occasionally will tap people out for things beyond what they expected? Did you, know, did you know that that's part of the life of faith that would give incentive for us to stay holy, be holy for I am holy and stay available to the Holy Spirit and not let any blessing blockers get in our lives? This would give us incentive to stay out of bitterness and unforgiveness. This would help us to rethink yielding to covetousness or lust or some of the other things that keep trying to weigh down on us like the, the apathy and then the, the, it's like, well, no, whatever, who cares, you know? Well, God is watching, and God cares, and you don't want to let anything hinder, how would I say it, the anointing that God has for your life. What is the anointing? The anointing is empowerment. The anointing is the presence, another word for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to come upon you, and a different, but same as, but different, from all these other situations. Different because there are no two of us alike and each one of us has a particular role and responsibility and that if we get to know God, we'll be strengthened and then we will do exploits. And we will God will achieve things through us if we'll learn to yield to him, develop a listening ear, be sensitive to him, and even, yes, let God build your faith. And God was building Gideon's faith when he said, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And he was taking issue with it. This is what's fascinating about it. Abraham and Sarah, he had to change Abram's, Abram's name to Abraham. And it's because he's, he had to be called a father of many nations and he had to walk around and go, hi, I'm Abraham, the father of many nations. And people go, let me look at your Bible and see your family tree. You don't have any babies. Uh, well, uh, God gave me a promise. So babies come, babies are coming. Babies are coming. God gave a promise to the church that the glory of the latter house would be greater than the former. God gave a promise to the church that he's coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. God gave a promise to the church that he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he gives a promise to us as individuals in the body that we all have a part to play. 
which then cancels out self-loathing and it helps us just to stay centered in this place between pride and self-loathing called faith. It's great to have faith. It's great not to compare ourselves among ourselves. It's great not to be constantly in FOMO, fear of missing out. It's great to have it be free from the shoulda, coulda, woulda dynamics. It's great to just be, you realize you're born an original so you don't have to die a copy. Cults all get uniform. Remember those guys, the, the, the kingdom, the, what was it, some kingdom thing, and they were all wearing the same uh, uh, New Balance and, and tracks. It wasn't, wasn't it New Balance? Track suits, and they were all just kind of like, and the guy was, and they all, they all died in some bunk beds or something. Cults freak me out. The uniformity and the imposition of uniformity. The church, on the other hand, is an eclectic thing. No two of us are alike. And apparently God gets a kick out of individuality because Abraham's different from Sarah, completely. And Gideon's different from David, completely. And Paul was different from Peter, completely. And yet they worked together. They functioned together. They flowed together. My hand is different from my foot. It has a completely different duty, but, but they're interconnected and interdependent and we need each other. And I love that scripture the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, looking for people whose hearts are completely his, that he may strongly support. He's looking for you to pray even when you're miserable. Some of the greatest fruit and achievement in my life came in the most unlikely moments. Some of the most amazing, miraculous manifestations happened under the condition of the most subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit. Some of the greatest prayers and achievements happened when I didn't feel like praying, but I prayed anyway. Because this is not the, a, a, a feeling-oriented, sensory-oriented movement. This is, it's great to have faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Get a hold of this. There's so much more to life than we experience in the bubble we live in. There's so much more of what God is trying to do in this moment. The enemy's antagonized by it. He sees his time is shortened. He sees he's not gonna be able to range to and fro on the earth and torment and vex people and mock and defy the living God much longer. He sees God's army rising up, taken to their place of authority. In the spirit, understanding their purpose. Living out God's dream that he intended all along. Secular ideals look at this and say, this must be shrugged in order for us to progress. Progress to what? Away from God into some sort of pseudo-advancement? I don't think so. It doesn't happen. Uh, if there's been any kind of evolution, it's been evolution. It keeps eroding. You know, God gave a strategy to advance for Joshua and Caleb to get around that wall of Jericho in Joshua 6. God gave a strategy here to Gideon. God gave a strategy. And here's what he says. He says, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, in verse 13, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, if is the badge of doubt, why then, see he's questioning, you don't want to, questioning destroys faith, but he's doing it. When, why then has has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles? I'm talking about miracles. 
Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Oh, man. Just the very call and the very sending constitutes strength. The very call, he's calling him. He's calling him a valiant warrior. And he says, go in this your strength. Not in his if, the badge of doubt. Not in his questioning, which destroys faith. Not in his antagonistic surmisings. But hey, I'm, I'm raising you up out of the pit. Aren't you? And he was in a pit. Aren't you glad that you don't have to be all perfect uh, in, 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 uh, and be, isn't that amazing? And, and, that, that, and that God will call you out? This gives me hope. Because some of the things, some of the times God's prompted me into higher, heightened levels of responsibility, heightened levels of uh, work, I didn't feel like it was an ideal situation. In fact, I felt like, God, could you just wait till I do some push-ups and take a rest and read half the New Testament and pray a little bit more? We should be doing that all along, right? Keeping our body under, walking by faith, getting our minds renewed, feeding on God's word. I love church. This helps me. That God had me in mind when he came up with church. It makes me accountable. It makes me consistent. And, and it, there's something atmospherically that's so charged if two or more are gathered together in his name. It's fantastic, isn't it? It just, it's great to be in, with, amongst like-minded people. And again, it's not brainwashing, and it's not mob mentality, and it's not like we're mouth-breathing like lemmings walking off mountains. No, we are people that God has put a purpose in. We are thinkers. We're not allowed to dumb this down, but we're also not allowed to complicate this. What we're called to do, though, is apprehend this by faith, take a big, deep breath, and say, Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always. Keep our eyes on him. Wipe off our tears and just keep trusting God. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He said, go in this your strength. The Lord looked at him. Did you know the Lord's looking at you? God's radar is fixed on you. Uh, he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian. Look at this. Tell me as one man. What? That's amazing. Because we know that there were actually 300 mighty men that God had equipped. But yet God saw it as in effect his obedience precipitated the obedience of others. And God caused the army to seize. In fact, then the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who drank the water correctly at the, at, the, at the lake and give the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people, uh, each man, go to his home. So it was an interesting moment in the transition of time. In their case, God wanted to bring a correction in this oppression that was happening and restore this just like God wanted to advance the Jewish people and take down the wall of Jericho, just like what Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, to have faith in God and to speak to our mountains. 
What mountains are looming before you right now? Sickness, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And if your body, if you're dealing with, oh, what's that uh, lung condition? O-C-O-P-D? What, uh, I lose the healing power of God on whoever's dealing with that right now online or present in here. Anybody that's got scarring in their lungs, maybe from a lot of smoking, God, I'm asking for the healing power of God. Maybe it was a vape, maybe, or some kind of damage to their lungs, or weed, or whatever they did, the damage to their lungs. You know God can heal you, hurt, hurting yourself, he can heal you. Do you know that God is turning things around for people? God, I pray healing on blood issues, uh, bleeding, hemophilia-type things, or problems with coagulation. I'm asking you, God, for your healing power to flow and bring a balance to the coagulants that there will be not too much so people don't have blood clots, so not be too little so there's a bleed. And I come against brain bleeds and fear concerning it in Jesus' name. I loose your healing power into livers and kidneys and upper and lower GI, all processes of digestion. I lose healing, God, in the people's bodies. All us men, all the women, all our particulars, God, I thank you for your healing power flowing. Right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, I'm believing God for healing and miracles to flow into your life. I'm switching right now. I'm praying for healing in people. I pray for that you heal the backslider. People that are supposed to be plugged into this church are staying plugged in and they won't be picked off and lured into the wrong place by the devil in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you for your supernatural hand. Let's all stand up on our feet. See, this verse here in verse 18 is your verse tonight. The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you and shall defeat Midian. You shall defeat Midian as one man. Everybody say, as one man. See, through one man, Abraham, came a nation. Through one act of obedience. One act of obedience. Remember that famous story in Holland where the little boy plugged up the dam that was leaking? Remember that famous story? And it underscores how one person could do something that seems insignificant and could save a city. I remember years ago there was a brownout in New York. You remember that? It was maybe 40 years ago, 45 years ago. And they traced it to a $2.40 plastic part that a guy failed to put in there. That's the opposite of it. That's the opposite of it. Just wasn't doing his job. So the guy at the, the dam in Holland, he was doing his job, you know, and I, I imagine he's probably still there going, could somebody help me, please? You know, with his wooden shoes. But how about that guy in New York? How about that guy in New York? It's like, uh, yeah, that was a $2.40 part that knocked out the power in New York City. So William Seymour gets some people praying in Los Angeles and it changes the tone of Christianity in a five-year period for over 100 and something years. We are who we are because those guys obeyed God. I owe everything to them. They're very significant to me, and a lot of people don't even know who I'm talking about. And probably 25 to 40% of the body of Christ right now is, has been or will be baptized in the Holy Spirit in the next, in the next moments. You know, we're about ready to see a restoration of things. And uh, as, I, as I finish up, I want to pray because it all starts with prayer. It all starts in the heart. So you guys, lay your hands on yourselves. We're going to get ready to finish. Through one man, Abraham and his wife Sarah, came a nation. Through 
one man. He said, I'm going to deliver the Midianites uh, as you through one man to Gideon. And so now, Lord, what is it that you would have each person in this place be setting their, their focus on and their heart toward? I know what it is. It's obedience. It's just simply doing and cooperating with the written word of God and then the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So God, we come against flaky and we come against intrusive things and we come against impositions. We come against influence peddling. Uh, and even God, I'm sensitive that I, I must not overstimulate in any direction. I'm not to gift project. I'm not to, uh, I'm not the finalizer. You are, you're the Lord and you know each one of us. I'm just a, a, a pastor preaching the word. You're the Lord and you are the head of the church and you're the Lord of hosts, and you're the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, and you are our guide. And so God, now I pray you move mightily in this place, mightily online, move on the people's hearts and minds. Help us not to get out of track, help us to hit the targets, Lord. Uh, in the New Testament, we're not to be led by a prophet, we're to be led by the Holy Spirit. So we trust you for guidance concerning what we're to do in these upcoming days. Everybody say this with me. Gideon defeated the Midianites. Abraham and Sarah birthed Isaac. There is hope for me. God has a plan for my life. Joshua and Caleb circled Jericho with the Jewish people and they saw the walls tumble down. God is faithful in my life and he will see me through in the name of Jesus now Lord I pray that if there's anybody who hasn't given their life to you they would get saved right now if there's anybody who's gotten away from God I pray they would rededicate and come back to you and God I pray for these families that are struggling and going through things that they get a massive breakthrough starting right now in Jesus name at the end of January, on the end of February, Lord, and I pray a blanket of love and protection over everybody in St. Louis Family Church, everybody watching that's plugged in and doing whatever they're called to do, wherever they are, that, God, we get in perfect flow of your will in Jesus' name.